1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis composting garden
3: hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Thank you, Scott. And 30 degrees. But at least the sun's out and makes a huge difference. And your plants, it was pretty darn cold this morning. And your plants, as I drove down to the station, I saw several plants were shivering. I guess they're shivering. Oh, that's just a wind. If you have any questions or concerns about your plant world, simply give us a call. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And uh, Good Gardening Stroll will be... The opening part of the show, and then I will talk about the things that we can talk about with your plant world. As I left the house, the sky was lighting up to the east. And, oh, thank goodness, I was tired of darkness. And my car door was frozen shut from that rain and everything else. So I finally got it open. I, th- I thought I might have to break the window to get in or no. And then westward, the sky had the moon, which was really nice. And on this frosty morning, I was heading around, and I ended up where Utah and Indiana meet. They cross at this intersection. There's a park a park area there. I'm not sure if it has a name or not, but it jumps Utah and starts on the other side of the street too. And it's mainly a lawn area with evergreens, Norway spruce, there's some other spruces as well, Colorado spruce, and then a few pines, Austrian pine and white pines. And uh, that's really the accents of the evergreens and then deciduous tr- trees, just various types that are available uh, normally in a you know sort of a public area. And this signage in here it says park curfew 10 pm. to 6 a.m. Well luckily it was after seven when I got there so I didn't have to wor- did not have to worry about the uh, curfew. And then there's a sign that says no dogs without leashes And if they catch you and your dog doesn't have a leash, hundred dollar fine. Whoa And on the back side of this park area, open space along an alley, there is a wrought iron fence. So this was really kind of nice. It was really a a great looking place. And there's picnic tables, one picnic table and one bench which offers a rest stop for you. And then as I walked around today, everything it was still frosted. So it was kind of you could almost hear the crunching of the frost, you know, in the lawn areas and stuff. So that was really kind of interesting. And now we can discuss what's impacting your trees, your perennials, what should happen on that hillside that keeps eroding away, or how do you get rid of that uh, ground cover that's on the hillside. But when you do something like that, what's going to stop the erosion? Hmm. How about your shrubs, your lawn, your ground cover, or anything planted in your outdoors? Or we can step inside on this cold morning, And uh, take a look at your tropical world. We can talk about routine care and maintenance. What impact your pets are having on your lawn area, along the fence. How about uh, what are potting mixes versus potting soils? Pruning. Should you be worried about insects or can you do anything about insect problems that historically you've had? And uh, suspicious growth spots. Can you do any transplanting this time of year? And uh, should you be taking any kind of cuttings? I'll share my knowledge to help you make a good decision on the action that you may take or just, uh, I mean, you might consider it. And this is your show, and I appreciate you having me in your plant world. Another very important player is James. James has not produced this show since last September, so I'm not sure he knows how to do it. No, he's... He works all week long and everything else. He just hasn't had to work on a Saturday, and he's happy about that. But Drew was uh, not feeling well, so James stepped up and said, yep, I'll take care of it. And I, if you'd like, I can come to your plant world, your landscape, and do an on-site consultation, a recommendation. I call it a walk and talk. You can go to my website, com. On the homepage, there's my email address and phone number. Well, the Good Gardening Stroll, it was kind of nice, but uh, it was a little bit cold. But uh, this is wintertime. I keep forgetting. It's winter. And even though we are in a different plant zone, as far as plants that we can grow here, it's still 32 degrees and 32 is still cold. But thank goodness for the sun There's not a cloud in the sky as I look out the windows to the west from the studio. So, again, if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. We'll be back after these messages. Live and local, this is St. Louis's News Radio, KMOX. Yes, 314. Four three six seven nine hundred 7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, so you can give us a call. St. Louis Composting has mulch as well. And the advantage of mulching is it minimizes temperature fluctuation of your soil. And that reduces possible damage to the feeder roots. Because regardless of the size of the tree, shrub, perennial, or whatever... The feeder roots are up near the surface, and then there's fluctuations when you get these warm, de- you know, warmer periods of time, and then you get the cold, and that kind of what that does is rip the hairs off the feeder roots, and those hairs is what absorbs the nutrients and moisture that sends them up into the other growth parts of the you know plant material. Doesn't matter herbaceous or you know woodies, and it's really kind of important that you do that. And also there's, you know, mulch is different than just leaves that fall onto the ground because leaves that fall on the ground from trees can just pile up and then consequently create a humid environment, and that humid environment can be damaging to your plant material root systems. So keep that in mind that you just don't let leaves sit there. And it looks like Art's the first caller today. Art, how are you today?
4: Yeah, Mike, uh, I think we've got to help nature a little bit uh, with respect to the uh, old, uh, drainage uh, along River de Prairie. What is your idea with respect to the retrenchment of that River de Prairie? Uh, you mean as
3: far as redigging it?
4: Well, I mean, as far as your ideas with respect to helping the nature and to go ahead and to, uh, yeah, improve the uh, drainage, the land of management uh, with respect to the uh, erosion and everything else like that. It the outlay with respect to the gravel, the bulldozers. Well, what can you do? just with respect to uh, the natural uh, help uh, as far as the uh, pattern uh, of the uh, drainage. You know, I used to be always uh, enthused with the, re- the respect of the range and water manage- watershed management and to uh, be aware. You know, my dad, he learned his English in the coal mines of central Illinois. You know what he was worried about? Subsidence. He says <laughs> they're taking all of the material out from underneath the ground. They're gonna
3: build houses or something, and the houses are
4: gonna collapse.
3: <laughs> well that's true. Thanks, Art. Always nice to you call every week. And uh, as far as River de Pere, I think it's you know, the management of it is pretty well. We live in South City and probably maybe four blocks from us is River to This is uh, – a there's different aspects of it, but uh, I think it's, you know, being taken care of fairly well. So thanks a lot for calling. I greatly appreciate it. And this time of year, also, keeping your landscape healthy is something you can do with soil testing. So remember, the soil test will really indicate what your soil is all about. And especially if you've been doing some fertilizing for an extended period of time and using the same one, you'll certainly find out if you have a lack of certain nutrients or you have an abundance of certain nutrients. And uh, other things to be thinking about as far as birds. Boy, oh boy, the bird activities and everything else. I'm not putting out bird seed this year because I got angry at the squirrels and they just the squirrels will come and just sit on this, you know, and just eat and eat and eat. Yes, there are different ways that you can keep the squirrels out of your feeders. But, uh, you know, my squirrels, uh, because I just kind of threw this bird seed onto the sidewalk, they just kept going and going and going. So still, I see blue jays. I see cardinals, doves purple finches, and then crows, wrens, chickadees, juncos, goldfinches as well. And it's really nice to see the birds. We're right across the street from Christie Park, and uh, birds are coming out of there, and it's really nice to see. We have a mugo pine right outside our kitchen window. And I don't know what they're finding there, but they always you know, seem to be some of the birds eating something in the mugo pine. And speaking of the squirrels, we had some... You know, pine cones forming on our uh, mugo pine, and then the squirrels got them. Those guys are such jerks. Anyway, let's head over to Josh's yard. Hi, Josh. Hello, Josh. Are you there? How you doing? Hi. Go ahead. Yeah, how are you doing? Very good. Hello? I guess Josh is—he's tied up with something else. So. Anyway, sounded like he was driving, but uh, so that's more important to pay attention to driving than it is to talk to the garden hotline. And if you're fooling around in your garage or something in your basement, <gasps> there's those daffodils or those crocus bulbs, uh-oh, that you didn't get planted. And when the ground is this cold, it will restrict your bulb accumulation. And that accumulation means are they going to be able to be flowering in the springtime? Uh, I would say go ahead and plant them as a, in pots or in the ground and just make sure that uh, you kind of keep your fingers crossed because they may not be able to get the root system growing out of the bulb, so they're going to give you some flowering in the springtime, so keep that in mind. And if you do plant also, make sure that you do some watering. And about uh, one to two inches of mulch over the bulbs is all that's needed. So it's better to go ahead and get them in the ground and take a chance as opposed to just kind of leaving them and then uh, <laughs> then planting them in the springtime. No, don't do that. So if basically the, when we get a period I haven't gone out and you know, dug in my yard for a couple of weeks, so I don't know if the ground is frozen or not. I don't think it is, but uh, just like I said, keep that in mind. Uh, if you want to do, besides the soil testing, just on a regular type of circumstance, you can still do some deep root feeding. And deep root feeding is individual fertilizing. No, it's not fertilizing, it's building soil around large, you know, around trees. So you go out about half the distance from the tree trunk to the extension of the branches, and then you auger holes. And you auger the holes with, a uh, obviously, electric drill and an earth auger drill bit, which is a one-inch diameter, and it's uh, about a foot long. And You just go down about six inches or so, and what you do is every two feet, between each hole, as you circle around, you drill a hole about six inches deep or six or seven, point, you know, you don't have to measure it exactly. And then you backfill those holes with compost. And then what that does is feed the tree roots indirectly. So you're feeding the soil and then the soil will feed the roots. So you want to have the holes two inches apart, six inches deep, and then the ne- next circle goes out about two to three feet beyond that. So you just keep going continuously around until you get just past the drip line, and that's where all the feeder roots are. So that's the best way to go about feeding your trees. Fertilizing the ground for your trees is not really to the benefit of the tree's longevity health factor it's feeding the soil, and then let the soil go ahead and take care of the trees. It's much better to do it that way. That you know, spikes and all this other stuff, it's not exactly to the advantage of the trees, just in general. And uh, realize that uh, there's we have we were kind of lucky that we haven't had any you know sleet or salt or ice or things like that. But remember, if you are putting any kind of a deicer out there. The sodium chloride—that's the cheaper stuff—that's the rock salt—that's not to the best advantage of your plant material because when that's actually melts the ice, it will do that, and it runs into the you know landscape areas. Then it becomes problematic. So spend a little bit more money and get calcium chloride versus sodium chloride, and the calcium chloride is less damaging. It does less dehydration. And another possibility is traction sand. It has, no, it doesn't do any damage at all. And even fireplace ashes. If you've got a situation where you do have a fireplace, you can sprinkle those around. And, uh, you know, just kind of keep that in mind. And remember, sn- uh, you know, snow or ice does protect, you know, buds and stems and things on trees and shrubs. So don't go out there. If we do get a snow and uh, – start knocking the snow off and definitely not the ice off because that damage is much more than the actual weight of the snow can do with you know doing small cracks so just kind of keep that in mind so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 back after these messages
2: call from mom answer it call silenced
1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without autopay pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
6: Men's Billikens Basketball Action returns Wednesday, January 3rd as they face Loyola. Pre-game 545, tip at 6. Hear the game here on your home for Billikens Basketball. KMOX.
3: Yes, folks, phone, line, phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. As we're on the last few days of 2023, wow, what a year this has been weather-wise, plant-wise, and everything else. And whew, Wow. Let's head over to Susan Jar Hi, Susan. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um,
7: I. I am with a new nonprofit called uh, Neighborhood Foresters here in the city. And I've been helping um, with some demulching or devolcanoing mulching. And I've listened to your show in the past, and I don't think I've ever heard you talk about the proper way to mulch trees. Now, you mentioned how good mulch is. For trees, but um, we've noticed that a lot of landscaping companies pour these mountains of mulch on the bases of trees that you know end up crawling up the trunk of the tree as they uh, you know apply it every year, and they never remove the old mulch. Can you talk to the public about? That?
3: Proper mulching techniques? Well, I've done actually that many, many times, to be honest with you. Okay. So. My
7: bad. I don't listen <laughs> to you every Saturday. What?
3: Sorry. I can't believe that. No, <laughs> it is very important. You know, with my experience starting off in the woodland garden at the botanical gardens, we were using mulch at that time. And I was there at the second year after it opened. But with the mulch, Too much mulch is more problem than it is good. So you never, around woody plant materials, ever want more than two to four inches of of mulch at the most. But I agree with you. Some places I walk by or drive by or whatever, it's just unbelievable how high they're getting this stuff piled up. And it is a detriment. Now, does your organization, are you the one that is planting like along the Greenway Trails and things like that, the new redbud trees and other various trees?
7: No, we're more about uh, the care of young trees in the city, um, you know, that are surrounded by concrete and asphalt. Ah. And our goal is to get more volunteers uh, who live near these trees to water them. But I am involved in other organizations where we do plant trees and we do, you know, devolcano mulching, and um, that's how I'm spending my retirement years now. Well, that sounds
3: good. But yeah, there's somebody that's, uh, you know, I guess I should have you know, memorized who's doing this planting a lot of, uh, you know, flowering trees along walkways and you know, in the greens, you know, green spaces of the city and it's really amazing how many trees are being planted and they're young trees are small trees but uh, uh let's say 12 to 24 inches at the most but it's going to be nice to see you know Holly absolutely
7: Aquila. absolutely so
3: well great well thanks for your insight thank you yep and we do have phone lines open 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 Other things that you need to be thinking about, let's go inside. Keep your plants away from cold drafts. As you know, you open your door and it's like, (gasps) when it's a day like this. And if you have any kind of uh, tropical plants that that cold wind is from the drafts, even though it's pretty quick, it can do a little bit of damage. It won't necessarily kill, but uh, it does, you know, kind of set them back a little bit. And the same thing. The cold, but also the hot. So don't put your house plants, your tropicals near radiators or furnace vents because it's going to dry, you know, the plant material, potting mixes up, and that could be problematic as well. And if you've got some decorative, you know, plants for, let's say, the holidays and it had a foil wrap around the pot, make sure that you pop you know poke some holes so the water can drain out because if it doesn't it'll just keep you know too much overwatering and that's not the best you know for the plants just in general and also if you buy plants on a day well later on it's going to be warmer but on cold days get some protection as you're coming out of the greenhouse or the nursery to protect your car <laughs> protect your car no Protect the plant material from, you know, the cold because just a couple minutes can really do some damage. And uh, your indoor plant material, the pizzazz, if you're going to do some fertilizing, you don't really want to fertilize anything unless it's in flower or, you know, sending out some flower buds like an amaryllis or something. You fertilize them, but just do the half label rate. That's going to be the best, you know, best thing you could possibly do for that. And the poinsettias, if you've got a poinsettia, whether it's a red or a white or whatever it happens to be, place them in a sunny window with a minimum of four hours of sun and keep the soil damp, not wet. And if you've got the bulbs for the indoors, let's say paper white narcissus or uh, other various type things, freesias, hyacinths. And many of them are going to be available in bloom or else, you know, they're been planted and they're going to be sending up the flower shoots soon. Just, you know, again, don't overwater. Too much water on any kind of plant material is going to do damage. Outdoor decorations, hmm. String lights, dangling ornaments, inflatables can cause some problems just in general. So watch out with that. (laughs) I have uh, some uh, seasonal water, seasonal lights uh, around a couple different plants in my backyard, right in front yard, side yard, wherever you want to call it. And some way, the timer that I have on them got messed up. So I've had a couple string of lights that have been on for uh, 24 hours the last couple days. So I just didn't get out and take care of it. I wanted to see... what it's going to do. These are really small lights, and some of them are, one string is LED. I just, you know, sometimes I torture my plants because that way, if somebody calls and says, this is what I'm seeing on my plant material, it helps me to be able to answer that, you know, that possible question. And uh, with those inflatables, we were driving around, Tracy and I lately, and we're just amazed at some of these inflatables, how many people, you know, have just an overabundance of them. And when they deflate during the day, it can cause where they just lay uh, some fungus problems or bacteria problems with the plant material that's being covered, whether it's a lawn, whether it's a ground cover or anything else. And and just the heat of the generator that keeps them inflated, while they're inflated, is, can cause some problems as well. So just take care of the outdoors and just be, you know, sensible. And right now with the weed situation, you can uh, not do too much other than hand dig it. So the cool, cool season annual weeds, the chickweed, the henbit, and perennial dandelions, purslane, and clovers, Hand digging is going to be the most, most effective herbicides. This time of year, is kind of a waste of time and money and energy. So, just don't bother doing that. Overall care, just be sensible. And uh, we, if you have a situation like the lady was talking about, newly installed plant material, uh, make sure that you you know gets keep some water on it. Keep the the soil area where they're growing, you know, damp, not wet, but it's really, really important. So let's head over to Denise's yard. Hi, Denise. Hi. Hi. um,
7: Just have a quick, hi, just have a quick question. Um, I never uh, cut back my hydrangeas um, this fall, and so there's still dried flowers on them. Um, what's my next step? Should I just leave them alone, or is it too late to cut them off? What, what do you recommend?
3: No, you can go ahead and cut them off. Now, like in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, just don't go out there when it's really cold, just for your right, own okay. sake. The plant material doesn't really <laughs> care, and the spent flowers, you know, cutting them off at this, you know, at this time really doesn't mean anything.
7: Okay, what if I cut them back a little bit because they're too large? They're too, you know, some of the stalks are really, really long. Is that going to be harmful for the blooms next spring?
3: Well, what you're going to do is if if they're spring bloomers like the PG hydrangea or something, consequently you cut them now and you're cutting off a flower bud's potential for next spring. So the flower buds always are set in the fall. And if you do prune them in, you know, fall or wintertime or early spring, you're just eliminating, pot, you know, potential yeah. flowers.
7: Yeah, I mean, there are summer bloomers, but I, I'm sure that that's probably
3: still the case, so. Well, the summer okay, bloomers so you, should be okay. Oh, okay. So, yeah, you can go okay. ahead and prune them. And when you make, a, you know, your cut, and this is when you prune anything, cut it at a 45-degree angle. That hey, That helps the... You know, the plants heal where the cut is made.
7: All right, great. All right. Well,
3: thank you very much. Sure. i glad it's not a lot. All right, thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. And uh, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Phone lines open, and we'll be back after these messages.
0: This is the St.
3: Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Speaking of St. Louis composting, www.stlcompost.com or 636 861 3344. And now let's go over to Libby's yard. Hi, Libby.
2: Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. I have two questions for you one regarding a plum U and what your thoughts are about that in in St. Louis, and then the um, Rose Mallow. I planted them uh, from seeds. They did not mature uh, this past summer. Uh, any chance those uh, plants will come back, the mallows?
3: Yeah, they they should. I mean, it could take a couple you know, couple seasons of growth before they're going to go from seed to flower. But uh, ah. it's worth giving it a try and see what's going to happen. And what I didn't understand what the first plant you were talking about.
2: Um, it's a plum, P-L-U-M-U-Y-E-W, hmm. and it's kind of a, a vertical plum. Um, uh, I guess I was wondering, you know, how they do here, because I don't see them that often, but when I read the tag, it seemed to fit the bill.
3: Um, you know, I've never had any actual personal experience with that particular variety of you, but I'm assuming it's like the Hicks yew that grows Narrow and you know, straight up. So, I would That's say,
2: correct. pardon me, uh, I would say that is correct. Um, the needles are a little different, and the um, and the pattern around the stem is different, mm. I, I'd say a little bit.
3: Yeah, like I don't, you know, I'm not familiar with it, so usually I kind of speak of you know, plant material that I've grown, but uh, if you can find it, I would say don't buy a big one. Buy a relatively small one, and see what you think and see how well it's gonna perform, but I'm ass-
2: uh, that, yeah, that is what I did, and this is my first uh winter with it, and it seems to be doing well. well I just went out and looked at it, <laughs> and um uh, I don't know, I really haven't seen them, but you know you normally seem to be um very happy here and and I was excited to see a, a, a different type of you, yeah. I guess.
3: The interesting thing is with the ewes that they, you know, have the ability to to grow in sun or in shade. What they don't like is competition of large tree roots. That's where the only really problematic thing or overly wet soil. So as long as you planted it properly and didn't put it where it's going to have to be competing with existing tree roots, then they should, you know, it's worth a try.
2: Excellent. Well, I'll report back in a year or two and, and let you know how the Plum you is doing. All right. Sounds great. <laughs> well, hey, I know you won't be here, Mike. And I, as soon as I said that, I, I realized that. Um, have a great retirement, and we really appreciate all your info. Thank you.
3: Well, thank you. I'm not retiring yet, even though I'm 74 years old. Maybe you know something <laughs> that I don't.
2: <laughs> Excellent. Well, then, pardon me if I misspoke.
3: Okay, that's okay. I think you're Take making, it
2: easy. Happy New
3: Year, yeah, same to you. and now let's go over to Peggy's yard. Hi, Peggy. Hi, hi.
8: um I was calling about um oh about a month and a half ago. I noticed I thought it was fungus under a large tree in the backyard, and I took a picture of it, went to home depot to find something to put on it, and then um a few people up there. That it was a mushroom, um and it was really good to eat, Oof. so I didn't know if um if I should get something to put on the tree to protect it or
3: if, so is it growing it is off the is it going growing off the trunk, or is it growing on the ground around the tree? It was on the ground like right by the trunk uh, then that's as long as you know that's not a problem, so if, if it's in the ground. Mushrooms basically grow on, let's say, dead plant material. So, in other words, there's the roots that are right there. Are I don't know how big this tree is or anything, but are obviously, you know, die, you know, have died, and that's what the mushrooms are growing. Mushrooms don't grow on anything that's not, let's say, dead. Whether it's compost or dead plant material or a lawn that hasn't been dethatched or whatever it happens to be. But personally, I would not be eating them because that's not how. No. No. So no. when they told you that, I don't know. They're crazy. So I probably, yeah. would, probably wouldn't probably wouldn't hurt. Oh, go ahead.
8: Uh mm-hmm. huh. Oh, there was about four people there that all said that it looked like a mushroom and they were really good to eat. But I, I just kind of kicked it off. You yeah. know where it
3: was. Yeah. <laughs> It just, that doesn't sound good to me. But anyway, they should be, you Mm -hmm. know, know, it could be some older roots that are just dying. And again, mushrooms only grow where dead, you know, plant material is. So I would say just Mm -hmm. knock them over, knock them off or whatever, and don't worry about them because they don't kill. They don't do the killing. They only grow after something has been damaged or, you know, heading downhill and dying. Mm-hmm.
8: It grew like the tree had, it's an old tree, real large, and it had like an indent where the trunk was, and it was right there, you know, in that
3: little spot. Right. So you should be okay. Older trees, it's just like yeah. older anybody. <laughs> you know, you're going to have right. some problems. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thanks, yeah. Peggy. And now let's go over to Debbie's yard. Hi, Debbie. What I was
9: calling about is uh, my daughter lives in Savannah, Georgia, and she lives in an HOA, and it's a new lot and home. And uh, the HOA requires uh, like a break of uh, plantings, something that has to stay green all year long and uh, has to be like around four feet tall. And of course, when she's looking around, everything that size is very expensive, <laughs> and she and she's trying to find something that's gonna that's not gonna die. She does not have a green thumb. Ooh.
4: That's not gonna <laughs> die on her, <laughs> uh,
9: you know, within a, a few months because, uh, and the, she probably has to plant a uh, at least a ten foot. Lengths, and um, but it, you know it's to show a break between the homes, right? But not you know block everything out. It yeah. can't be a tree. It's got to be more like a a, a bush type variety, right? Well,
3: I I hate to recommend something for Savannah, but what I'd recommend that she does is go to the University of Georgia Extension Service. Oh, great idea! And that way, she can find out what plant material is will do well there and stay within that you know that particular size range that she's looking at. Okay, and possibly maybe where to get it. <laughs> right. Well, generally, I would think most of them should be available in regular retail, you know, garden center type things.
9: Mm-hmm. Now, what she's looking at, like, would it be something like we have around here? Because she's thinking, oh, Mom, uh, can you buy it up there and bring it down here? And then, of course, there's going to be, can you plant it? Right. But uh,
3: <laughs> I would say just there's... watch out about that because, you know, just the, the moisture and everything else could be detrimental. So I would say she should get it from there. And like I said, through the uh, University of Georgia Extension Service, that will tell her the native plant material – The exotic things like what we have is, you know, naturally we have the junipers for evergreens that are native to this region. But there's other, you know, plant material like arborvitae, globe arborvitae, that only they grow in a roundish shape, need no pruning, and uh, won't get more than a couple feet high. So I don't know if the arborvitae is going to be able to handle you know, that warm temperatures and the higher humidities and things along that line. So that's why I'd, I hate to recommend something from, I don't know, basically. Yeah, and she
9: actually needs something that's like four feet tall. Right. And that's, I, th- I I told her, that's where the cost is coming in.
3: Well, like the Globe Arborvitae doesn't get any bigger than four feet. Uh, but, you know,
9: they want it to look right, right, or right way. Right. You know, well, the HOA it, it, wants it to look. Like four feet tall. You mean buy it yeah. four feet high? Yeah. See, and that's what she's running into. I told her that's the expense. Right. Is um, And she goes, well, they don't want anything little, and it's got to grow for two or three years. They want something that looks nice now. That stinks. That's a bad... That's what, that's what an HOA is.
3: Right. <laughs> <laughs> that is bad. In my opinion. Right. In my opinion only.
9: Well, thank you so much. But, yes, I will tell her to get with the University of Georgia
3: right. extension and check that out. And uh, I, I bet they can help her out. Yeah, I'm sure they can. And, uh, I mean, like the Missouri, Univers- Missouri Botanical Garden, their website lists all kinds of plant material of different types. So I don't know if there's a botanical garden there or not.
9: Oh, I'm sure there is. Right. In so. Savannah, I'm, I would, you know. think there would be. Right. Okay. Well, that might be another place I'll uh, send, here's the big word,
3: her to. Right. Well, thanks a lot. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you so much. Really enjoy the program. Well, thank you for having me on your show. And that about does it for our number one, but we have some phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after the news. Now at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of
2: St. Louis KMOX.
3: Thank you, Scott, for that forecast and everything else. Boy, up and down and all around. Gee, money, Christmas. And how's it impacting your plants that are growing in the outdoors, whether it's new insulation or a plant that's been installed for an extended period of time? And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel, a special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during this past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. And right now, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments, we do have some phone lines open, and you can call 314 436 or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty, 925 1120 And we can talk about it. And thanks for inviting me onto your show, where discussions range from making the right plant selection for the location, like the lady that we were just talking to whose daughter lives in Savannah, Georgia, and she needs to have a plant that's four feet in size, never get any bigger, never do this, 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 and You have to buy it already mature size. Hmm, that is going to be a little difficult. And how to care for the plant material that you have, whether it's a humdrum times a year like now while they're in hibernation or during the peak growing season, whether it's annuals, spring or summer bulbs, herbs, vegetables. I have a rosemary plant and it's still looking pretty darn good. Uh, Vegetables this time of year, hmm, not much. Uh, fruit trees, evergreens, herbaceous ground covers, perennials. How about those cascading or upright house plants? A cool season lawn, shrubs, roses. Have you cut back your roses yet? Do you need to cut them back, whether they're shrub type or miniatures or whatever it happens to be? Plants for screening, whether it's conifers or deciduous trees, and all kinds of other stuff going on. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path that will take you to achieve your desired results, but strictly offered for you to consider. And another very important player in this show is James. James is a producer, and he pushes all the buttons and gets a, your name up on the, call, on the caller screen so I can talk to you about whatever you're thinking about. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides the Saturday morning get-together – I can come out to your plant world for an on-site consultation. This walk and talk, as I call it. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage has my email address and phone number. And today's tip of the trial goes out to a couple people. Last week I was talking about the location to take your soil test in Kirkwood. Well, they're relocating to Overland, and a couple people sent me the the new address and everything else. So I'll be giving that new address. Not today, but I just want to let you know that the Kirkwood office is closing and they're relocating to Overland. So if you want to have some information before next week when I start giving it out, you can just give the University of Missouri Extension Service St. Louis County office in Kirkwood a phone call and find out where the new location is going to be. I'm assuming it's going to be pretty soon if it hasn't already happened. So. Uh, thanks to the guys that send me the, you know, the information related to the new location of the soil testing. And the soil testing is just extremely important. It shows the uh, condition of your soil nutrient-wise, whether it's phosphorus, whether it's organic material, potassium, calcium, all those type of things are, you know, all part of the growing plant world. And uh, it'll, the Offices will tell you exactly how to take a test. And for like lawn areas, you want the sample to come from soil that is about three or four inches deep. And other samples, you want to go a little bit deeper to about six inches or so. And don't just you know put get a b- bunch of clods of dirt or soil and uh, you know put them in a bag and take them. So you want to break it up. you want everything to be air dried and thoroughly mixed together and a separate test for each individual circumstance. So even your front lawn versus your, you know, your backyard soil, whether it's a woody, you know, woody plant material, whether it's a, your vegetable garden, every place should have a separate test so you can find out exactly what's going on. One thing that I find a little interesting is they recommend you putting it in, a, you know, your sample in a, like a Ziploc bag or something. And that's, you know, so don't put it in your soil in a Ziploc bag and leave, this, leave it sitting around because that's going to create a more humid environment again. So just watch out about doing that. But anyway, uh, enough of that. So tip of the trowel to the guys that sent me the information on the new location in Overland. And let's go, let's go ahead and take a call before we take a break. Let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi,
9: Mike. I have these four roses of Sharon bushes, and they all have some buds that didn't open this year still hanging on and don't look like they're going to fall off. Is it necessary for me to cut those off so that it'll
3: bloom again next year? It shouldn't be necessary. So, they're, you know, the buds are dead. And, uh, or they will be dead by the end of winter. So, if you want to go ahead and prune them, you can. And with the Rosa they or summer bloomers, you can prune them all the way up until the new growth begins. In other words, the leaves start coming out in the springtime. Oh,
9: I didn't know you could do that.
3: Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for the information. And Happy New Year, Mike. Well, same to you. Yeah, anything that blooms in the summer actually sets the flower buds in the, in the springtime. But uh, so you just, as soon as the leaf buds start breaking and uh, showing some growth, you know, get them pruned by that time. If you start pruning much later, you may be cutting off the flower buds for next year, where anything that blooms in the spring, those flower buds are set in late summer, early fall. So you don't want to prune in the fall or during the wintertime with those. So thanks, Mary. And uh, let's go now to over to Roger's yard. Hi, Roger. Hello, Roger, are you there? Hmm, guess not. Well, let's go ahead and take a break. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
3: Yes, folks. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Uh, My question is for you is
8: I have the, Hydrangeums, they're the limelight hydrangeum. Uh Uh-huh. All right. So how short can I cut those down, and will they re-bloom if I cut them down real short?
3: How long long have they been in the ground? Oh, 10 years. Oh. I would say don't cut them back more than halfway. Halfway? Uh, Yeah. And then then they... they, Oh, go ahead.
8: Will they bloom
3: if I cut them back halfway? Yeah, they're summer bloomers, so... You know, you want to do that before, you know, the new growth begins. So sometime after Valentine's Day, before Mm -hmm. uh, mid-March, prune them at that time, and they should be okay.
8: Now, I have the hydrangeums. I don't know the name of them exactly, but they bloom pink and and blue in that color. Right. What do I do with them? Are they the spring bloomers, or just leave them alone?
3: Uh, I would say leave them alone and You want to fertilize them if you want to change the color from Mm -hmm. the pink to the blue with aluminum sulfate.
8: Aluminum sulfate. What had happened here is the husband cut those back one year, and they didn't bloom at all this year. So I was just making sure that I don't cut them back so they'll bloom in a feed. Okay. Well, thank you for your information. Oh, one more. You know, I don't know the name of this bush, but it turns a beautiful red the leaves do in the fall. And looking at my garden, my hillside right now, I've got all these 19 beautiful red bushes.
3: They're green in the summertime. And they really don't flower? No, they don't flower. Uh, So this is something called a burning bush? No, it's a a Vandina or a uh, Viburnum.
8: Viburnum is what they are, yeah. Okay, so So
3: generally uh, they do flower. They should have white flowers on them. Followed by fruits. I mean, small like beads, like almost like a blueberry type flower. No,
8: this that's not it. Then okay, it's a different. It, they're
3: beautiful right now. The
8: leaves are beautiful, red, and uh, you know, just it just makes my garden gorgeous.
3: Wow! And
8: I can't remember the name, but they're a beautiful red leaf right now. If you drive around, you see them at different places. Uh, but I didn't know when to trim them. Last year, uh, the husband had them trimmed the year before, and then they didn't turn the beautiful color. So I'm thinking that they have to be trimmed in the spring. Well, or,
3: you know, the pruning shouldn't have anything to do with the amount of uh, color that the foliage gets. So mm-hmm. that's well, a little interesting.
8: All right. Well, if I figure out the name of it, I'll give you a call, or maybe one of the other people
3: will have what I got here. They're really pretty. Thank you so much. Sure, my pleasure. Let's Let's head over to Pat's yard now. Hi, Pat.
8: Good morning. Good morning. I have heard you talk many times about the volcano mulch around trees, but I've never heard you talk about how to go about undoing the volcano. And I have a silver maple, which is a rather old silver maple, but um, the yard service I had put mulch around it and they – have built it up over the years and it's probably close to two feet high. Whoa! And I went out last year determined to unmulch it, but when I started removing the mulch, the roots were there. What do I do? I, I don't know how to unmulch it.
3: Well, you know, the unmulching is basically just raking it away and just being careful that you don't let the. And use a guard, don't use a leaf rake. Use a garden rake, but just do it, you know, carefully. But a silver maple is going to have surface roots. There's no getting around it. But, yeah, you know, but these you know, are high out of the ground. Right. That's still what, you know, silver maples do. I grew up in Maple Lane in Ellsville, mm-hmm. and we had silver maples, and there was roots all over the yard. So there's no getting around it. So is uh,
8: exposing those roots will not harm the tree?
3: No, it's just, uh, I mean, some people don't like to look at them. But you can leave, (laughs) you know, like two or three inches of mulch. Just don't let, you know, the mulch pile up under the trunk. That should be adequate.
8: Yeah, this is kind of, you have to kind of imagine raking away the mulch and there is roots that's two feet high out of the ground. (laughs)
3: Right. Yeah, usually they're not going to get that high, but... Uh, well, there so, they are. <laughs> right. So you should tell your landscape service to get rid of it.
8: Well, and that's fine, but I'm just concerned about having those roots that high out of the ground.
3: Yeah, t- two feet high seems a bit extreme.
8: Well, I guess it's because they think that they're in the soil. Well,
3: they because are. Because the, the mulch. Feeder root, as- feeder root aspect is in the soil, it's just the you know if just that's more or less a genetic circumstance with the, uh, with maples in general but especially with the silver maples
8: okay well i raked it away from all the other trees and that's they're fine but this silver maple i'm just concerned about exposing roots yeah
3: that won't do yeah. anything it won't hurt it at all
8: Okay, maybe I'll try doing it little by little and make sure it doesn't really harm the tree.
3: Right, it won't, but
7: yeah.
8: Okay, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, I've got a couple of crepe myrtles. They're not too terribly huge, but I would like to trim them back. If I do that at this time of the year-ish, whenever it's not
3: freezing cold, um,
8: is that going to harm them as far as uh, blooming for next year?
3: No, because they're summer bloomers. Summer, you know, early fall.
8: Okay, so this might be an actual good time to do it because I can see where the stalks are as opposed to when they're all leafed out. I can't see through. <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, it sounds like you're getting some good growth.
8: I am. I mean, they're doing really well. They're very pretty, and I, I didn't want to kill them.
3: So right.
8: thank, thank you very much for your advice.
3: Sure, my pleasure. And from Pat's yard, let's go over to Linda's yard. Hi, Linda.
8: Hi, Mike. Happy New Year.
3: Same to you.
10: I read something in a garden um, email that said when your poinsettia is done and most of everything's fallen off or dying, it should be cut back severely about four inches from the potting soil at a 45-degree angle, and then I think fertilized for indoor houseplant fertilizer later, maybe in March. Would that be your advice to...
3: Yeah, well, I don't know how much luck you're going to have with it, but uh, are all the leaves falling off? Is that what's happening?
10: Oh, no, not yet. My, it's still in full bloom. It's oh. really beautiful. I got it late. I didn't get it till about a week before Christmas.
3: Okay. I would say don't bother. You should be able to grow it. Now, that, you know, there's going to be some of the, the colorful leaves that are going to fall off, but uh, just treat it like a regular house plant.
10: Okay. Yeah, I had success with one. I did give up on it this year because I kind of messed it up when I brought it in by putting a little fertilizer and trying to control like any bugs that would be in it. That one kind of went by the wayside. So I'm going to start working on this one to get it to rebloom next year, too. But, oh, um, that lady who said something about you retiring. I'm like, my ears perked up. I'm like, what's this? ha. <laughs>
3: Yeah, Don't so,
10: do it. She <laughs> absolutely can't make it anymore because we depend on you to call in and, and just hear all this great advice
3: weekly. Oh, well, thanks. Yeah, that, thank, I thought maybe she thanks, knew something.
10: Yeah, I thought I was listening from when the show first started. And I'm like, what? I, did I miss something? I'm like, oh, my God.
3: <laughs> this
10: is a disaster.
3: <laughs>
10: but I wanted to thank you, too, for what you said last week. That was really touching. And I said, I don't think he's ever <laughs> said anything like that before about a listener. So that was a loyal listener. But, yeah, I, I try never to miss a show because I enjoy it so
3: much. Well, great. Well, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, you're welcome. Bye. Have a great weekend. Yep, you do the same. And Happy New Year. Let's see what's going on in Joan's plant world. Hi, Joan.
2: Hi, Mike. Hi. Happy New Year.
3: Same to you. Um,
2: I was I was wondering what sort of fertilizer that you use in the spring and summer for hydrangeas.
3: Basically, make sure that it's an acid-based fertilizer. So like miracid acid or something along that line. There's other companies, but miracid acid just gives you a good example. Okay,
2: and I have a hydrangea, and I don't know what kind it is, but it's it's a summer bloomer, and it blooms on the edges, and then the middle stays like seed-like, and this year, or this past or this year, it didn't bloom until the fall. Well, it was very strange.
3: Yeah, a lot of the hydrangeas got knocked uh, for a loop this particular past year. So you got lucky that you got the you know the blooms in the fall versus when they should have normally been blooming. But hydrangeas with a late fall circumstance of 2022, that a frost then kind of knocked hydrangeas and a few other different type of plants, flowering shrubs, out of their normal cycle. So if we don't have a you know we haven't had a, a late fall frost slash slash cold spell this year, so everything should be okay.
2: And what do you use on crepe uh, myrtles as far as fertilizer?
3: Just a, you don't have to use an acid base, so just a fertilizer for trees and shrubs. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. And again, always remember uh, getting a soil test every couple years lets you know that uh, if you're using a fertilizer, and it has the same nutrients. You use it several years in a row. Phosphorus and potassium, part of the normal, let's say, three-numbered fertilizer. Those two, you know, aspects of the chemical world build up, and they become detrimental to the plant material rather than just helping. So, well,
2: I'm gonna actually do that soil test this year. All right.
3: <laughs> Good All right, luck thank with you that. So much. Yep. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after
6: these messages. Dive into all things Cardinals on Cardinals Conversations. Your go-to location for exclusive content from KingMOX. Catch it on the Odyssey app or your favorite podcast platform. Stay connected with your team. Cardinals Conversations, where the Redbird talk never stops.
3: Yes, we have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's head over to Roger's yard. Hi, Roger.
5: Hello, Mike. Hi. <laughs> um, I planted, uh, on about November 25th, I planted uh, a little business uh, day lilies, and I used a bagged topsoil to cover them and they're starting to sprout out of that, uh, what should I do?
3: Just leave them alone. Okay. There's nothing you can do, and, uh, you know, the bag topsoils, that's not really going to be to the advantage of the plant material, but uh, the fact that they're showing some growth, there's really, don't cut them off, don't do anything.
6: No, don't put more topsoil on them?
3: No, definitely don't bury them anymore. Okay. That, that's going to be to the detriment.
5: All right. Uh, I really appreciate
3: it. All right. Good luck. And uh, hopefully when spring rolls around, you'll be very impressed. Let's head over to Matt's yard now. Hi, Matt.
6: Morning, Mike. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Uh, (laughs) I need your assistance. So um, I have a pool at my yard, but about 15 yards from the end of my pool in common ground, uh, they have planted two ball spruce trees, and they're probably 15 or 20 years old. I have noticed that the little nodules that come up are coming up in my yard, which is probably 15 or 10 feet from the edge of my pool decking. Is there a concern that those nodules that come up will, will go into the chat or the rock around my pool and penetrate my fiberglass pool in the future
3: it shouldn't penetrate the fiberglass i wouldn't think so but the bald cypress are you know native to swamp areas and swamp areas in certain circumstances can mean that that the trunk or the area around the trunk and the entire root systems underneath the water so they put those knees which that's what they call them off, which is growth off the root system, but it helps them to be able to get air because they need some oxygen, you know, air, oxygen, all that other stuff. But they, you know, will continue to go and grow. Uh, how far they're going to go, it's just you know, it's hard to say because those things get really be- massive. I'd be more, mm-hmm. you know, concerned with also the needles blowing into your swimming pool and that stuff.
6: Yeah, that is concern also, but um, what what I've been, what's been happening is I've been running over with my lawnmower, like if I can't see them, I'll chip the top of them off. Sure. Is there any detriment if I, you know, dig them down and chainsaw them off? Will that hurt the tree at all? Because I love the trees, but they're in common ground.
3: Right. So, yeah, that's not cutting off the root system. It can be a damaging circumstance because generally the amount of, root system is kind of, you know, from a biology standpoint, equal to the above ground growth. And so once you start cutting the roots off, just not shaving them off, like running over them with a mower when they're, you know, small, you cut a lot of the feeder roots potentially off, and that's going to have a damaging impact to the above ground growth of the trunk and branches and all that.
6: Okay. Well, my main concern is it's not going to damage my pool.
3: So. <laughs> right. I understand.
6: <laughs> so okay, there's no way, like...
3: you know, nothing you can do because you really don't know. Even though there's knees coming up in certain areas, there may be roots that are, you know, that are not putting up necessarily any knees that are already up to, you know, close to your, you know, your pool.
6: Okay. Okay. Sounds great. Thanks for the info.
3: Yep. And what I might do is too is on the edge of the property line slash your property line in the common ground is uh, think about maybe digging down and just kind of checking out and see how many roots are headed towards your pool versus the other you know areas in the common ground and things along that line. So good luck with that.
6: Sounds good. Thanks, Mike.
3: Yep. Let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom.
5: Hi, I got a couple of questions for you. Uh, Are you there? Yeah. Okay. First one, you you were talking about crepe myrtles earlier, trimming them back now. Um, Can I trim them back about the 1st of
3: April? Uh, You're probably, you're right on the cusp of doing it that late, of cutting off the potential buds for the flowering. So that's kind of... better to do it before that. Yes, exactly. You may not even be conscious of the buds, you know, being there, but once, you know, you start to see any kind of foliage growth, definitely that's way too late, and even if you're not seeing the foliage growth, you're going to, you know, it's, that's kind of late.
5: Okay, and, and what you said before, cut them back about a third? Yeah. Okay, second question, I've got a maple in my backyard, and the bark is splitting, and and peeling off, um, what's causing that and, and what can I do with it?
3: Well, basically, it's just the diameter of the trunk is increasing and the bark that was on before, you know, the diameter increases, It uh, the bark doesn't necessarily grow. It just puts out, a, let's say, a new layer of bark underneath it.
5: Yeah, it looks. It just looks like it's got some bare areas. It's yeah. been bare for a while.
3: Yeah, a few it should you know it should be okay as okay, long as as long as it's texture it. you're not seeing any kind of you know heartwood in other words the area the bark is really only about a, you know let's say less than an inch thick and then the area underneath that is the structural part of the tree trunk and so as right. long as you're not seeing the heartwood then you should be okay
5: well I think some there's one big area looks like it is a hardwood oh really. So, yeah it it's it's back quite away is it is is that something that's uh, common does that happen and
3: well is not, the tree dying or what how to, what's the diameter of the trunk of the, on this tree? maybe two foot yeah so it's it's pretty mature so it could be a, you know just an aging process depending upon the variety of maple that it actually is. so there's not really too much you can do. There's no fillers okay. or don't paint it or don't do anything because that's not going to make a bit of difference.
5: Okay. Well, thank you. Yep.
3: Yeah. yeah, days of old people used to paint and do all this other stuff. And then what they found out is when lead was taken out of the paint, then it didn't help, you know, any kind of circumstance whatsoever.
5: Okay. Well, well thanks a lot. I really enjoy your show.
3: Well, thank you. And now let's head over to Matt's yard. Hi, Matt.
8: Hi, Mike. Hi. Happy New Year. Same to uh, you. On November 23rd, I took my uh, amaryllis out of the dark and watered them and put them on a basement windowsill, and I haven't gotten any growth out of them yet. Do you think the windowsill
6: is too cold?
3: It could be. Uh, now, you said the 23rd. That's only a week.
6: November 23rd. Oh,
3: November 23rd, so around Thanksgiving. Yeah, right. if you're not seeing anything, then the ground is, you know— This potting mix in this, you know, in that pot is too cold.
8: Okay. That's what I thought. Thank (laughs) you very much. Yep.
3: So just bring it up and put it in, you know, of sunny window, you know, circumstance.
0: All right. Thank you. Yep. Happy New Year. And Althea, how are you today? Yes, I'm great. How are you? Very good. Okay. My question is that I would like to divide a Christmas cactus. And I wanna know should the water I mean, should the saw be damp when you put it repotted?
3: No, it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, dumped, but you can add some new potting mix. Just make sure that you go to a garden center that has a potting mix for cactus because that's gonna to be to the you know, to the advantage of your you know, division.
0: Okay, and how long should it stay in, uh, well, until it roots? How long would it before it roots?
3: So you're actually taking cuttings? You're not just going down and dividing the root system?
0: Okay. I'm taking cuttings. Okay. Oh, that's,
3: you're going to have a difficult time with them. You should, you know, actually cut down into the potting mix and divide it, physically divide the plant because, I mean, the way that is recommended to actually you know do what you're wanting to do is to you know take some of the little leaflets and then cut them and lay them flat on the potting mix and just kind of keep your fingers crossed but it's going to be uh, let's say bad news
0: well I was told after I cut the 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 uh, part off to let it Put uh, develop a scab on it, and then just place it in some potting mixture.
3: Right. So, in other words, you don't want to put the raw opening, you know, from where you cut, onto the potting mix, and let you know let it heal over. But you just lay it there, and then slowly but surely, if you if you're getting lucky, then it'll start sending some roots down from that individual leaflet.
0: Okay. Now, not to deal with luck. What would be the proper procedure for doing that? Okay, again,
3: get the potting mix for cactus, and then cut them and just lay them. You know, put them in a relatively small, you know, pot like a two-inch pot or so, and just put them in a sunny window, and then uh, just water them like you. Obviously, you have some good growth on the one that you have. And as water them as you would normally the the plant that you're taking the cuttings from.
0: And how often would that be? Uh,
3: it's hard to say. It just depends upon what exposure they're in, but it wouldn't be, you know, an extended period of time. With a let's say probably uh, maybe every three or four weeks should be adequate water.
0: Three or four weeks, right? Okay, and then after it has sprouted roots, then I can put it in a regular pot.
3: Right, but still, you're going to have it in a really small pot. So just realize that.
0: Okay, don't you put it them in a, small a, pot. a large pot. All right. Well, thank you.
3: Sure. Good luck with that. And All you right. can you can always. Uh, there's a Cactus Society here in St. Louis that uh, you know meets at the Botanical Garden. You can always uh, attend a Cactus Society meeting or go online and check uh, the Missouri Botanical Garden. It's mobot.org, that's M-O-B-O-T dot O-R-G, and see what they say about uh, taking cuttings from cr- Christmas or Thanksgiving cactus. They're cousins of each other. Just one blooms earlier than the other one does.
0: And what is the difference between the Thanksgiving and the Christmas cactus? The time
3: they bloom. The Thanksgiving one blooms first. The Christmas cactus blooms second. And there is a difference in the shape of the leaflet, a little bit, but it's not dramatically different.
0: Okay. Is it that the Thanksgiving is pointed?
3: Yeah, a little bit more pointed. Okay a little skinnier, too. The Christmas <laughs> cactus is a little bit wider.
0: All right. Thank you. Yep.
3: 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages.
2: This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX.
3: We've still got a few minutes left, and we do have some phone lines open. 314 314- 436 or one eight hundred let us head over to Keith's yard. Hi, Keith.
5: Hi. <clears throat> I need to keep my trees well-trimmed and the moles out of my yard. <laughs> but my lawn is really looking fine with the help of Mike Miller's Garden Hot Wine.
3: <laughs> Happy New Year. Same to you. <laughs> so what can we do for you?
5: That's it. Oh. I just wanted to sing that to you because I appreciate your service.
3: Well, thank you. <laughs> Thanks you for having me next on your year. show.
5: You can use that next year.
3: Okay, sounds good. Okay. Well, it'll be on the podcast. <laughs> 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 That's great. So in things, you know, just the trees in general and plant material in general, we're having a climate change where somebody last week said – the plant material that we're starting to grow is from zone seven, so that's really kinda of great. Let's head over to Jerry's yard now. Hi, Jerry.
11: How you doing, Mike? Better Thanks get... for being on our show. Thanks. Um, um yeah, I have this agave plant. I'm looking I'm trying to figure out where to find the biggest pot to plant my plant it. I have an agave that's about ten years old and it's about probably ten feet across Whoa. In the afternoon. Wow. Right. I have to bring it in every winter, obviously, because the you know, it can't handle the cold, but right. it's it's outgrown the pot that I put it in originally. And uh, I've been looking around town and I just cannot find a big enough planter for it.
3: Well don't get too I, huge of a you know a pot. So from the standpoint, you know, since it is in the cactus group or family, that consequently smaller pots are always better. So what makes you think that you need to get a bigger pot for now?
11: Well, well, basically, uh, that's about 10 years old. You can see the roots. I was just worried about the roots just completely filling up the pot it's in right now and getting maybe too tight or something
3: like that. It should be able to handle that. Okay. So I so mean, right. ten feet across. How do you actually get it in the door?
11: <laughs> I have a double door on the front. Oh, really? Uh, very, <laughs> very difficult. I have to. I literally have to turn it on its side so that the, you know, the leaves fold in as I'm pulling it through. Wow. But I'm... yeah, I found it on the ground, and it was the size of an acorn. I found it at Disney World. <laughs> I <brought> it all. <laughs> <laughs> put it in a pot, and 10 years later, it's still here.
3: Wow, that's amazing.
11: <laughs> but, so you think I'm good just leaving it in the pot then that it's in?
3: Yes, because a lot of times what can happen with some plant material like this, you put it in a bigger pot, and then it just gets bigger, and so you're kind of making it somewhat of a bonsai by keeping it in this pot. And uh, obviously you know how to grow it because if you've had this kind of luck... Then that's fantastic.
11: Yeah, it's, it's absolutely amazing. Beautiful plant.
3: Yes, they are. I mean, uh, in their wild, you know, native circumstance, they're pretty darn impressive. Does it have like a the foliage on it or is kind of a blue-gray?
11: Yes. Right. Yeah, it's like a blue-gray color. Exactly right. that.
3: And then the tips have a thorn.
11: <laughs> yeah, it barely fits through the door. But, I'll bet. Yeah. <laughs> It does. Well, when I brought it home, I had no idea what it was. It just looked like a Little A card, and then it kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger.
3: Well, I admire you for keeping it, you know, for that long.
11: It's it's too beautiful to get rid of. Yeah. I was just hoping I could keep it another 10 years. I have no idea.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it's probably pretty much, you know, mature size if it's that big right now as a you know yeah. as a house plant. But uh that's amazing. So yeah. congratulations.
11: Well thank you very much, Mike. Have a
3: great day. Yeah, you do the very same thing. And uh that's gonna be about the last call for this year. Oh my goodness gracious. So next time I see you, talk to you, it's gonna be next year. Whoa And uh again just you know this gentleman had a house plant that was huge but your house plants just you know take care of them only the ones that are in flower or flower budded those are the only ones that you want to fertilize this time of year so and whatever fertilizer you get go to your favorite garden center and tell them you want a fertilizer for house plants and then consequently whatever rate that the house plant label says only use about uh, half that amount because you don't it just you know can, you know can be detrimental. Another thing too, just realize that if you've had a tree removed and even if you've had the stump ground out that the root system is going to stay viable for several years after that tree, and that kind of goes back to the uh, call either early this hour or last hour where they were experiencing mushroom growth in the you know around a tree circumstance. And what happens as the root system dies, even though the stump's been ground out, it's going to be a slow process depending upon the health of the tree and the type of the tree. Several years you're going to see mushrooms kind of pop up where you wonder what in the world is you know happening here. And all that just means is the roots are you know slowly but surely biodegrading, and that's what the mushroom growth comes from. Also, I want to thank everybody for, you know, being so supportive of me and the show and KMX, the KMX staff has really been great. All the producers, Steve Moore, who is a general, I guess, general manager. I'm not exactly sure what his title is, but uh, he runs everything here at KMX, and he's done some really nice things for me through all the years that we I've been here. And I will, you know, I guess, unless I get some kind of phone message or something, be here next year, so just enjoy the you know the day today. There's not a cloud in the sky, and uh, the warmer temperatures this morning. I mean, my, as I said when I uh, started, my f- doors were frozen shut. I had to finally get them, pull on them and yank them and do this and do that so I could get here today. But I really super enjoy having you having me on your show. And just remember that if you were not there, I would not be here. So thank you very much. And Happy New Year. Just enjoy, enjoy, enjoy. Mike Miller, KMWX Garden Hotline. See you next week.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on What's in Your Podcast queue. And guess what?